because it's naturally what our bodies are used to from the homeland, if I can say that. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Our society overall, if we go back through our ancestry, did not eat a lot of meat. And when they did, they chased it. They hunted it down in a way that it was recognized as something special. Yeah. Not every day, not three times a day. And they ate off the land and they ate from, as they say, nose to tail. And, and we could go on and on. I mean, if you look at the Rastafarians, they ate an Ital diet from vitality, vital. And that was to be connected with nature. And I really believe our people have been that. And then we come over and we're stripped of everything we know yeah. in the sense of how we've lived because someone has enslaved us and, and broken our ways and our language and our choice of uh, spirituality. I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy Award-winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host, and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for this episode. And I think you're going to be glad that you did. This marks the first episode in which I plan to be more intentional about helping you on your vegan journey by sharing not just my story, but also providing more expert advice through interviews. I'm also going to pay more attention to self-care topics, as well as focusing on social justice issues that impact the way that we eat and the way that we live. With that said, my guest for today's episode is an award-winning chef a longtime vegan, and was recently named America's top hospital chef. That last honor is due to her winning the 2019 Healthcare Culinary Contest, which challenged hospital chefs to create a mesmerizing new meal while celebrating the power of plants. Chef Nina created Adventist Health Vitalize Haystack, made of lentil, walnut meat, chipotle, aioli, and topped with a pico de gallo. Well, if you head to vegansexycool.com, you can see the dish and and get that delicious award-winning recipe. In addition to being an award-winning chef, Chef Nina is also a nutritionist, yoga instructor, aromatherapist, and licensed esthetician, and a former competitive bodybuilder. Needless to say, she is a boss. I learned so much from talking to her about eating vegan and more, and you will too. In this episode, we discuss her journey, the challenges of being a Black woman in a plant-based culinary world, some of her favorite things to make in the kitchen, and why she feels now is the best time for Black Americans to start eating vegan. So my guest today is a Black woman doing her thing in the plant-based culinary world. Chef Nina Curtis is the director and executive chef at Adventist Health. 
She has been an avid proponent of the plant-based lifestyle and for the past 20 years. Um, she's actually a true vegan and is truly a rock star in the plant-based culinary world and the wellness world. Chef Nina Curtis, welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. How are you? I'm good, Jackie. I'm so excited. I've just been waiting like an anxious kid to get on with you because I just feel like we're going to have so many fun things to talk about in this vegan space. Yes, definitely. This is a vegan space. I'm happy to have a true vegan here to talk about because, you know, we get it. We speak the same language, so it's a wonderful thing. Um, but let me ask you, since we're still in the midst of this pandemic and all of these things are going on with this, I like to say, racial awakening, you know, um, in this country, how have you been, you know, how you been doing just in general? You know, I I come up, my grandmother would always tell me when life was taking its toll on me, I was from hard stock. So it was that tough love. And it's really done me well because I do believe that in every um, adversary experience, we have an opportunity to rise up. And I just keep my sight on the light, which is God for me. And I've just been pivoting and turning and I'm at work right now in the kitchen at Vitalize Cafe at the Adventist Health Corporate Offices in Roseville, California. My team is outside. I can smell the lunch. I told them I would not eat the crispy Kung Pao cauliflower with rice dish that we make from scratch. So I want you to know you're more important to me than eating right now. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, I hope they save you some because it sounds delicious. And I know it is if it's coming out of your kitchen. But let me ask you when, you know, I, I guess it must be easier for you because you act for what you do for a living. You're working in a kitchen. But when this pandemic first started, how was it for you personally getting groceries, cooking, you know, as a, as a vegan, how tough was it? It wasn't tough, but it was tough in the sense that my team, we did have to move out of our corporate offices. We have 1,400 associates mm -hmm. in the corporate office, and we manage, or the corporate offices manage the entire system. Adventist Health on the West Coast mm -hmm. owns 25 different hospitals. So our whole system, you know, just shifted the hospitals, um, the patients and all that you've heard in the media. Yeah. But my team had to move out. I stayed in the kitchen about a week later getting produce to food banks. And then when it really hit me and I was at home, I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm here in the kitchen at 5 a.m. I was still getting dressed. I was coming downstairs just to get the angst out. I was cooking food and had no one to give it to. Wow. So the last time I made a dozen chocolate brownies, I just said, okay, Nina, stop. <laughs> You're not going to eat them all. You're not going to freeze them. And you just have to really find your um, routine. It was very important for me to find a routine because I can spend 12, 16 hours in this kitchen. So I live here. Yeah. And that was tough mentally. Yeah because the brakes had just been put on and I went on pause. So I started praying and meditating. I got into a 30 day challenge that was a business challenge. So I could focus my energy mm -hmm. going to the store. I'd go once a week. I'm single. I could get everything I needed. And 
I stayed, I kept my team on uh, payroll and we started working through Zoom. We have teams here, Microsoft at our offices. I had more assignments. I was able to train them ways that we couldn't when we're working and running on the shifts we are. So I really used it as an opportunity. I checked in with my team, we checked in, we started with prayer, we expressed our fears, our angst, and we got through it together. So I wasn't alone. My people are from LA. My mom is still trying to figure out when I can come and see her. That is a tough thing because I go see her every five weeks from Sacramento to LA. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm glad that she's doing okay. I'm she glad. is. My sister is in Southern California. And Good. yeah, we drive, they drive by and drop her groceries. But you know, your mom is your mom and she wants what she wants. Let me tell you the beauty of, of COVID. You know, there are these little blessings here and there. Yeah. Um, if you look for them. My mother, I'm in um, New Jersey. My mother is in Atlanta. So to keep her from going to the grocery store, um, I, you know, I order her groceries and have them delivered. And my mother is going to be the last holdout on this vegan diet. Like she just, the, the Southern, she's not going to do it. Let me tell you, I've been sending her plant-based meat, mm -hmm. uh, like beyond sausage I said because you know you gotta I know you like to meet people where they are and my mother loves you know that that kind of food she's not giving up for me but she loves beyond sausage I've been giving her uh plant-based milk I give her oat milk she loves it now like I've been just because she can't go to the grocery store <laughs> so I have been sneaking her all these things that we're not sneaking but you know I'm in control of, of what comes into her kitchen and she really is loving it butter all plant-based butter all that stuff I'm I'm getting her to try now and she really loves it there is a blessing in that because there's no better time everyone is interested in their immune system and their health and yeah. We're just right here waiting to educate, but really meet people where they're at. And 20 years ago, there weren't all the options available. So it does make it easier. Yeah. And I want to ask you, I want to get to like the, the, the food and the wonderful desserts and all the food that you make, because I want to just see if I can just, you know, just learn something through yeah. Zoom <laughs> from you to, to try in my kitchen. But I do want to ask you because, um, you know, you're not just a culinary expert, but also when it comes to nutrition and wellness, um, you're an expert in those areas as well. And I want to ask you, you know, specifically about Black Americans and why, you know, with COVID-19 and how, because of pre-existing conditions and other factors, you know, lack of adequate access to healthcare, you know, it so it hits us disproportionately, right? And then with the stress that comes with this, you know, racial awakening that's going on. I, I wonder your thoughts on why this is a good time for Black Americans to lean into veganism. Yeah, I think it's a great time, Jackie, because it's naturally what our bodies are used to from the homeland, if I can say that. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Our society overall, if we go back through our ancestry, did not eat a lot of meat. And when they did, they chased it, they hunted it down in a way that it was recognized as something special. Yeah. Not every day, not three times a day. And they ate off the land and they ate from, as they say, nose to tail. And, and we could go on and on. I mean, if you look at the Rastafarians, they ate an Ital diet from Vitality, Vital. 
And that was to be connected with nature. And I really believe our people have been that. And then we come over and we're stripped of everything we know in the sense of how we've lived because someone has enslaved us and, and broken our ways and our language and our choice of uh, spirituality. I went to Senegal and cooked for two weeks and you just see the beauty in that. And they brought, when I went to go, Oh, the island, it's hard for me to even call it out again, but um, where the slaves, those enslaved were held before they came over, it was such an airy feeling for me, but I wanted to feel it. And when you think, they just say they brought us over, like we have skill, we have talent. They knew we could, um, were masters in rice production. They're not telling that story, Right. right? So then they bring us over and they use us, our ancestors, let me correct. Um, They bring us over for those things, but it was such, I can only imagine being stripped from everything we know. So we had to survive. You have to eat what's available. I was in the airport just last week and there was nothing but Chick-fil-A open. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Nina, you always carry something. And it's like, you know, apocalypse now in here. And I thought, okay, girl, you know, just get some water and you're going to get home soon. I did get a slight headache because my blood sugar and all that going all day, not eating. But the moment I ate the food I eat, I got back in track. So I think it's an opportunity for all people, but especially African-Americans to realize we are lactose intolerant. We shouldn't be eating, drinking dairy, cheese. And I know people will say, I can't let go of the cheese. There are really good plant-based cheese. I couldn't let go of the cheese until I decided to break up with it because it didn't like me and we were dating. (laughs) So the opportunity, the availability, it isn't expensive. You know, we can talk about the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. You can really... Um, navigate around, I mean, beans and rice, legumes and grains, you have food to feed an army. Yeah. We just made the cauliflower, we make organic long grain brown rice. That goes a long way. Yeah. So when people say it's expensive, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. What's expensive is what you like to call the Frankenstein, um, (laughs) I heard you say in an interview, those, you know, those fake meats or whatever you want to call it, the Beyond Burgers, the Impossible Burgers, um, which I do indulge in from time to time because, you know, sometimes I just don't have time to make something from scratch, which I know, you know, you probably always do and it probably is, I'm I'm sure it's delicious, but, you know, I, I just it bothers me that so many people in the black community, A, think that it's so expensive to eat um, vegan, you know, B, that it's just, it's not, you know, as you were just explaining, explaining, it's part of our history, it's part of our culture, but they don't think that it's, they think it's for white people, right? They think veganism is not, wait, girl, what? what? I'm not giving up my meat, you know, there's all of that, you know, because I deal with it all the time. I get the pushback all the time, you know, and I get teased about being a vegan and all of that, all of that kind of stuff. But 
And then there is this whole, you know, I say that we are slaves to our food. Like there's this pride, right? in eating these things that are not good for us. And it's like, you're talking about breaking up with cheese. You know, we just, as a people beyond COVID, right? We need to break up with, you know, what we're eating and, and what we are, what we take pride in eating. Of course. We don't get life from dead things. Mm. And you always hear people say, oh, that was to die for. Well, you are. It's a slow death. Yeah. And it's a painful slow death. And we all know this, but I like to say it. It is much more expensive to get sick than to stay well. Yes, it is. But no one thinks that they're going to get sick. Yeah. It's always like, that's not going to happen to me. But we all know someone in our family that has passed away or is suffering. And we think it's a part of our genetics. It's not. We have to change that mental um, addiction to believing this is just as good as it gets. And, oh, I love this so much. I, I can't give it up. But we have to make that choice to say, and when I work with people, I'm like, you know, like, what do I have to give up is the first thing. Because they think scarcity. Yeah. And I'm like, no, tell me what you like. Tell me what your favorite foods are. Because I love to work with people and deconstruct the things they love through plant-based food, enchiladas, lasagna. Mm. Give it to me. I have specialized in plant-based desserts, raw vegan to cook. No one ever says, and you heard me say this, no one ever says, where's the beef? Because <laughs> all they care about is, that's cheesecake? Yeah. They don't say, where's the milk in it? That yeah. first taste and knowing that desserts, like the sexy part of food sale, I was like, oh, I can just go out there with Nina skinny sweets. Not skinny meaning my body needs to be skinny, but skinny from the ingredients that aren't good for us. Mm-hmm. And that's a discussion about sugar. But, you know, we have to be mindful of these things because sugar is overeaten also. Yeah. I won't get into that long day conversation, but we need to be mindful of what we eat. And our food should give us energy, not make us want to take a nap after we have lunch. Hello. Hello. Exactly that. Well, you know, a lot of people um, who I talk to, one of the main questions that I get once people find out um, that I'm a vegan and that I eat vegan is, you know, how do you do it? It just seems so hard. And I do have to admit, when I first started, it was a bit overwhelming. I had to kind of rethink, you know, because with the food pyramid that they trained us on when we were growing up, you know, I carb overloaded in the beginning. I really wasn't focused on proteins. I was just focused on just, you know, being satisfied, just eating. And so I was eating a lot of carbs and then I had to really study um, and learn and then it was a better journey. So what advice would you give someone who is ready to give this a try? I think always, like I said, I like to know what people like to eat. Yeah. And I think we need to identify what we like and not think I've got to jump, take this leap of faith and go into something I don't know. So if you know you like a certain food, then I would start researching those foods that are already easily made through a plant-based lifestyle you know so we did uh we do a taco salad but here at adventist health they call it a haystack so it's or and and i work with organic as much as i can so it's fritos 
And then we take black beans that we have soaked overnight. So we release any of the phytic acid, making it easier to digest. And we make those really delicious, like your frijoles. And then we take a walnut um, lentil meat blend that tastes like ground beef better to me but it's the spices just like you'd make taco meat yeah. we make this ground lentil meat and then we layer that and then we put lettuce on it tomatoes pico de gallo we make our own jalapenos we do a um dried chipotle then we make a cream sauce with that you can have guacamole on the side yeah and the associates that grew up at as venice seven day adventist this was a dish that they would have after church or during a potluck. So I was a little nervous because I was like, they're going to say, why should I go pay for something I can make so easily at home? Right. But I elevated it with just the way we did things and the finesse. And the first day we launched, we sold 89 orders in an hour. And there was a line waiting around our cafe out into the foyer. And we always, when we were open, it would just sell out. Yeah, we're pivoting and we're going to put all the ingredients in a box hmm. and we're going to make it available for people to come and pick up. Oh, I love that. So they they take it and they make it themselves at home. Well, they finish it. OK, because like some companies where you get that box, I'll leave names out and you've got to they've got all the ingredients, but they're from scratch and you got to get in there. Some yeah. people just don't like to cook. Yeah. Why make that painful to eat? And then you've got the finished product where you just heat it, but that does something to the food. And I'm very picky about, I want to put my food in front of you and know and take, watch you take that first bite. I don't get to do that because you're not in the cafe. So we're going to prep things like we just tested the cauliflower. We breaded it. Hmm. We're going to give you the instructions just to slide it in the oven, 25 minutes till tender, pull it out. The rice will be there, warm that. We've made the Kung Pao sauce, just warm that. You're good to go. The only thing you may need to do or you would need to do is take the bok choy that we're putting in the box, chop it up, saute it lightly, and put that on the plate. That would take no time. No time. Easy hacks. Oh, easy, easy. So, okay, so now I got, I got to get in your kitchen, Chef Nina. Okay, so tell me one of your favorite dishes with cauliflower. Is it the Kung Pao? Like what, what's your, one of your favorite things to do with cauliflower? I love to take the whole head of cauliflower, season it well, like a rub, like you'd put on your meat. Yeah, and then yeah. make my own rub. I put a little bit of my um, coconut oil. I don't like to work with my pure virgin olive oil because it degrades it when you're heating it. Use it as a finishing oil. Oh. So I will use coconut oil or rice bran oil, which is rich in tocopherols. And it is a good high heat cooking oil. So I coat that, I rub my cauliflower and I'm going to put it in the oven like I would a roast. Oh. And then I'm going to take that out and just slice it like your steak sizes and have like a, a chimichurri sauce. I mean, sauces yeah. are it, right? Right. Learn to make good sauces and they're so easy to make that yeah. base. You're golden. Yeah. People are going to take the sauce, our Kung Pao and put it on their chicken at home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know they are. But at least I'm getting in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're getting a foot in the door. So yes, let let them do that. Oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, because I try to, I do when I saute, like if I saute something, I'll do it in olive oil. Because when I try coconut oil, it heats up so fast and then there's smoke everywhere. 
yes, yes. And you can olive oil, rice bran oil is good. And sometimes it's just the, the temperature of your flame. Yeah, that well, that might be it too. <laughs> <laughs> just needs to be a little bit lower if you're hitting that smoke point. Yeah, and I didn't know that about beans. I mean, all these years, right? I knew to soak beans, but because I, I just saw my mother and my grandmother do it, but I never knew that it yes. was, what did you say the benefit of that is? Phytic acid, it's reducing the phytic acid, making it easier for the body to digest. I had no That's idea. That's why we get the bloat, the uncomfortable flatulence and such, yes. but you need to soak your beans. Okay, good to know, because I, I, will, I will move around soaking those beans sometimes. If I can cook like black eyed peas, I can, you know, stew them a little bit, but I'm going to soak them from now on. That is good advice. <laughs> Let black me ask you... Black eyed peas, you don't have to soak like lentils. Okay. They're the, because it's a pea. Yeah. Okay. And, but I understand people would, but your red beans, your black beans, your kidney beans, your white beans, your garbanzo beans, okay. those are the things you want to soak. They're like hard. Mother Nature made it that way, so they don't go off sprouting. The minute you put them in water and leave them, you're going to get a tail. They're going to start to sprout. Now they're live food. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, it definitely is. Oh my God, I could talk to you all day. There's so much information there. I love it. Okay, I got to ask you about one more food item, an eggplant. You know what? The interesting thing for me about uh, becoming vegan was that there were so many foods that I had never tried, like farro. You know what I mean? Never even had an interest in it. I wasn't, I'd had, I, I had eaten quinoa in the past, not a fan of it. Now I absolutely love it. Eggplant was another thing that I just, I wasn't interested in, but now I love it so much. What, did, what are some things that you would do with an eggplant? First of all, eggplant is bitter on its own. So you need to either slice it or cut it open and you need to salt it. So we sweat it out. You sweat out excess water because okay. it's a lot of water and it, you sweat out the bitter taste that people don't like. So then I'm either gonna cut it in steak, like take like a salmon cut steak. Yeah. Thickness. I'm gonna grill that. Or I'm going to cut it in half and I'm going to bake it, finish it, roasting it, or just um, um, broiling it on the top. But I also like to marinate my eggplant. It's really beautiful because it picks up those wonderful flavors. And mm. I'm talking marinate overnight. Yeah. Oh, wow. Put it in your plastic bag or your container. Marinate overnight. Put that on the grill. Roast it. Pan sear it. It just becomes mouth melting in your mouth, and it's so delicious. Put that with your quinoa. Yeah. On the quinoa. Make a beautiful. Um, we'll do a uh, like a ch um, chive sour cream sauce. Oh, good to go. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. So you mentioned the word grilling and you know what? I've gone back and forth um, about whether or not to invest in a grill um, when you eat plant-based. And, and what do you say to that? Do you do a lot of things on the grill? We do because we have a grill in the kitchen, but yeah. I'm not using coals. It's yeah. gas grill. So I'm not yeah. worried about the carcinogenic aspects of the coal. Right. I love the grill. Mm -hmm. I love it for what it does texturally to food, your plant-based food. I love the lines, the grill lines in culinary school. It was all about getting those grill lines just right. And I will take a smoking gun mm. and smoke like the eggplant 
Yeah. Or we smoke, uh, what did we smoke the other day that we put on the grill? Oh, our tofu. We marinate it, then we smoke it with a smoking gun. What? And now you get this flavor like smoke and depth yeah. and just the deliciousness of it all. And my dad's a chef and I came up uh, eight years old cooking with him. My mom's the best cook on the planet to me. Let's get that straight. Yeah. But, you know, being the eldest of four and cooking, my dad would always be like, you're only as good as your last plate. So don't get, you know, cocky with it. Yeah. And I still hear his voice today when I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then I'm like, okay, but tomorrow is going to be another day. <laughs> so it's never just like automatic. It's always about pushing the envelope. Then you can get a smoking gun and just do wonderful things. We take carrots, mandolin them very thin, put them in marinade overnight smoke them with the smoking gun with like a hickory mm. um, smoke or uh, apple then we put them in the dehydrator and you have the best carrot bacon i know people do it in the oven and that's cool but i am going for that crispy break oh it's so delicious jackie now i'm hungry <laughs> oh my god that sounds amazing oh my god and you can do that with eggplant really beautifully eggplant bacon you can do it in the oven too, but the moment you put a little um, liquid smoke or have a smoking gun, you just elevate it on another level. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Could you do that in an air fryer? You could. Okay. You could. Yes. The air fryer needs to be though, you know, you have to lay it flat. Yeah. Most air fryers are kind of domed, so I'd have to look at air fryers to set you straight. Yeah. But you put a dehydrator Today, you could get one under 200. It really? changed the game because you can make your apple chips and all those dehydrated things that you pay a lot of money for. Yes. A little bit of volume. Um, kale chips. Mm -hmm. It's just a whole game changer. When oh, I've cooked for families and kids don't want their fruit, I'll take pineapple and dehydrated. I had a little boy and he told me right off, I was cooking for his mom. I'm not eating your food. I don't care what you say. I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you eat my food. And I just kept working. He'd come from school. He'd check me out putting things in the dehydrator for her kiwi, pineapple. Yeah. I would just hydrate snacks for her. Mm -hmm. And one day he was like hanging out on the corner. I said, you want to try it? He was like, no. I left him alone. I waited a couple of minutes. I said, you want to try this mango? He said, yeah, with an attitude, <laughs> seven years old. And I got an, a text from his mom. Please make sure there's always mango for, for him. I won't say his name. Oh. And from then on, and then he wrote me a letter that I have today and said, I would recommend Chef Nina. And I gave her a hard time in the beginning, but oh. she's rocked my world. Those were his words. You That's know, the best. And I I love hearing that because a lot of people, like I have girlfriends, you know, and they're like, I, I'm trying to figure out ways to, you know, just encourage them to eat vegan. I started out as a, you know, you need to do this. It's going to change your life because I felt so good, right? There were just things going on with my body and just, it, I felt so good. And I felt like I felt like I was doing something. I know that I'm doing something positive in the world by making these choices. But so many people just, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. Like they get so angry about it, right? They just push back so hard on it. And I'm just like, okay, okay. So I love hearing stories like that. Um, and I have my circle of girlfriends and very early on, I'm talking 20 years ago, yeah. we would have our gatherings. I would just make something vegan. Yeah. I didn't make a big deal about it, but I wanted to eat. Yeah. And they would do their best to have things for me, but 
Okay. So I would bring something and when the plate was clean, I didn't make any big deal about it. And then it would start, are you bringing something? Ah. And we're getting together. So it was a very easy and subtle way. Um, I embrace people. I know that I would love people to stop eating animal flesh and, and drinking cow's milk when the calf is taken from that mother. And any woman and mother that can hear a cow cry out for their baby, I really don't understand or know how a mother, but I don't, I'm not putting pressure on, I'm just saying the connection. Yeah. And when I know our history and how our ancestors' babies were taken from them, yeah. so someone else's baby could suckle on one of our ancestors. Yeah. There's just too much of a connection for me yeah. because we are sentient beings and we feel and animals care. So, but I am also about human rights yeah. because the mental and um, the mental abuse on those that have to prepare the meats that we don't want to go hunt for or right. do what needs to be done to them to get it on our plate. We have to think about those humans and what's going on for someone to go in day in and day out and have to do that. That's a psychological trip on them. Yeah. But no one wants to go. My grandmother would go, go get the chicken, ring it. Come yeah. in and eat it. If you want to have chicken on your plate, go check it out. And she would go get it and do the thing. And I'd be like, no, grandma, I don't want to do that. And she's like, well, then you don't want to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're yeah. out of touch with our food. We really are. And we so really don't want to know. A lot of people don't want to know. They don't want to hear that part of it, right? No. It's like, you know, they, they don't want to know that there are, you know, kids working in factories, making our clothes and things like that. They don't want to hear those stories, you know, um, but then when they do, they get outraged, but not so much, you know, for animals and the suffering that they go through just so we can ha have, you know, food that we don't even have to eat. That is not even necessary. And in most cases, is not even good for us. So, yeah, so true. Well, I want to ask you about... Um, being a black woman in the plant-based culinary world, because I, I don't see a lot of, I mean, they're there, there, there are, are, are black Americans that are, you know, um, well-known in the culinary world, but not a lot. And I just wonder for you in the plant-based world where there is not a lot of diversity, you know, in general across the board, you know, did you face challenges, you know, throughout your career, going to school and, and all of that as a black woman? Do I face challenges? Did you, you know, and do you still? Still do. Yeah, really? Still do. Um, but being in the kitchen with my dad, he always said, remember, you have a knife at hand. <laughs> if anyone chose to try anything and I knew how to use it, I knew yeah. how to scale a fish and everything else and uh, never just really had the need to because yeah. I think it's the attitude I carried in. I, I'm 5'7", yeah. I'm you know, walking in at 175 pounds. I don't walk in like you can push up on me, but that doesn't mean any woman does or any man that has been pushed up on. I understand that. Yeah. I just knew I would defend myself. Mm -hmm. In the world of um, being a director, being an executive chef, then you're getting into more pushback. Mm. You are. I'm just not afraid of pushback because I know that God put a crown on my head and 
you just have to deal with him. I'm not saying days aren't hard yeah. and the politics aren't tiring, but I dive deep and stay in my lane of where I know I'm powerful. And I get pushback from people going, you're trying to make me vegan. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to feed you food. It's food. It's food. Yeah. When yeah. people come into the cafe and maybe say, oh, that's the fake cheese. I go, no, that's the dairy-free cheese mm -hmm. with a smile. We have to melt these, you know, walls down of fear. I don't know if someone was approached by a militant vegan. <laughs> I have been, and I didn't like it as a vegan. Yeah. So I'm not going to put that out there. I always tell my team, don't take anything personal. Be yeah. kind, be compassionate, lean in, educate. And that's what has won us over. Um, I do not apologize when someone is going to come at me disrespectfully. I'm going to tell you. And that isn't always taken well because sometimes people don't think I should feel comfortable to tell you. But my uncle, when I worked at McDonald's in high school at 15 years old and I was suspended for a day because I would not smile at a director that I thought was a rat. And uh, I got suspended and I went home boo-hooing. He said, listen here, you found that job. You were looking for a job when you found that one. You'll find another one if you choose to leave there, if you don't believe in the morality or, or the ethics or lack of ethics. Yeah. So I went on to work from McDonald's to Burger King to Kentucky Fried Chicken to running a grilled cheese steak sandwich house and ice cream, all of the mainstream. You know, so you pick, I pick my battles. Yeah. And I'm so passionate about what I believe. I will come with compassion until you want to attack me. And then I don't know, you know, when they say where to get your protein, I show them. <laughs> I know that's right because you didn't you like you discovered I think you were were you a bodybuilder or you were something in the fitness world when you had this aha moment if you will and you were like I'm not going to eat meat anymore but tell me what you were doing um as an athlete I was natural bodybuilding competitively standing on stage muscle beach wow. Beach. I'm from LA. Yeah. So I was down there, you know, wasn't any heels on walking across the stage with all due respect. It was getting down and dirty. And literally, I didn't choose it. I woke up one morning and my body did not want any animal flesh. I was getting nauseous. Wow. And I freaked out because I come from the school, like to build muscle, you've got to get animal protein. Right. So I freaked out for a minute. I got control like I do. And then I just dove really deep and started understanding, you know, physiology, biology, nutrition, how as, as a bodybuilder, I was already wanting to be better than my best in performance. I was donkey calf raising 800 pounds without any juice. Mm -hmm. So I already knew I was strong. I have super strong legs. And most of my coaches were male because I felt at that time they pushed me more. So I could really move some weight. And I just thought, okay, what am I gonna do here? But when I started exploring more plant-based foods and my recovery time was better, my endurance was better, I had more strength and I was performing on stage better, I didn't have to question it. Yeah. 
I traveled all over to train with the best before I went to two different culinary schools because I already cooked. So I was like, just tell me what, where. And we were doing some crazy things, you know, just to make some really, really great food. And then there seemed like there was a gap and things go in and out. I went to a culinary school where everything we cooked prepared was raw vegan. So we had no ovens except dehydrators in our school because we only dehydrated up to 118 degrees. So all the enzymes could stay intact. Yeah. And the enzymes are the worker bees. So if we heat food, we destroy the enzymes. So there's another level of, you know, degrading the food we eat. But I was raw vegan three years, eating everything. I had dessert for breakfast, dessert for dinner, dessert for lunch. And we always said, if you want to eat your dessert, put it because of the sugar content, put it before anything else you're gonna eat. You wake up and have your green smoothie, you're eating, I'm talking a bowl of salad, like humongous, you could almost climb in it. That's yeah. how I eat my salads today still. Yeah, I and have no so, salads today, but go on. <laughs> yeah. No, and so, you know, my body's just thriving. When I was competing early on, I was taking 15, 20, 30 vitamins, supplement here, supplement there. And once I went to a whole food, first, you know, vegan, then really raw. I dove in deep. And the only reason I still eat a high raw diet is when I travel and I travel a lot. Um, and in the kitchen, I need to taste things mm. before they go out. So I give that, but you said something about, oh, you cook in the kitchen. When I get home, Jackie, I'm just like you. I'm like, what? Well, I'm like this. What's the easiest thing I can cook after I've cooked 12, 16 hours? I do yeah. not want to get all gourmet fancy. I could imagine you're probably like, let me just get a fistful of this. <laughs> I do. I do. People always think chefs go home and make these elaborate dinners. That's really the last thing any chef is looking to do when you've cooked all day, yeah. no matter how much you love it. Yeah. I could yeah. imagine. It's like bringing your work home almost, right? That's right. And yeah. it does go home. I wake up in the middle of the night, two o'clock this morning. I was thinking about our conversation. I'm thinking about the dish. I wish I could just serve it to you through Zoom and, you know, know. just not there yet. I know. What, listen, one day, one day. Um, but listen, I, I know you are known for your desserts. Would you mm -hmm. say that that is your specialty? I mean, because you, you, you can make anything, I'm sure. But um are desserts your specialty or is that your favorite um, thing to work on in the kitchen? Um, desserts are a favorite thing I love to do. Yeah. They're like my showcase. I got you. I don't make them every day, but I would love to go on one of the dessert shows. Yeah. And throw down because it's not like going on one of the cooking shows where you know you're going to get meat. Yeah. And I don't choose to go on a show and, and have to do that. I would go into this whole um, sacral thing and they'd be like, oh, take her off. She's doing something with the meat. What's she doing? I'm blessing it and saving it. <laughs> that would just be too much for them to handle. I already know me. But, you know, I could go on Cupcake Wars. I have no qualms that I could make a vegan cook cupcake yeah. and possibly win. Yeah. For my... Uh, creative artistic but i like to take from my my journey with desserts i like to take flavors and kind of do that sweet savory thing and i like to think of my savory food as dessert when i'm plating it 
or just that presentation. Like it's this indulgent, it's a small, safe indulgence. Yeah. And we eat with our eyes and then you take that first fork full and it's a game changer. You know, people talk about, oh, there's no flavor in vegan food. I've had a lot of mainstream food that I was like, who's cooking this? Yes. I think there's more flavor. We can impart more flavor. But if you don't already cook that way, no matter what you do, it's not going to be that way. Yeah. So I'm the first to go, no, 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 no. We're, there's so much more flavor. And our taste buds that are pretty much numbed out between salt and all these artificial flavors that they purposefully do to chips and all these processed foods to get us addicted. Yeah. You go on a plant-based diet and your tongue starts to come alive again. Now it can dance with all these different, just the flavor of the eggplant. And then you enhance that with the herbs and the spices. You don't even really need salt. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's just a, you know, party in your mouth, bombs going off, flavor bombs. And I so that is probably what I love doing besides my desserts is uh, positively delight, delighting people that first bite. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You, I, I love your excitement and enthusiasm for food. I mean, it is such a delight to talk to you. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I know you have to go cause you, I think there's, um, some, uh, Kung Pao cauliflower waiting on you, but I am by my office right? <laughs> looking at me trying to get my attention. I'm like, leave me alone over here. Cause I'm like, what are you doing up in there? You're smiling too much chef. I thought it was a podcast. <laughs> Too much. And I mean, you, you can tell you love doing this, but one last question before I let you go. And it is, you know, what do you think of this whole, cause you've been, you know, you've been vegan for 20 years now. What do you think of just this explosion of veganism? Like it's everywhere. It seems like, like it's never been more popular and there've never been more, more um, options, you know, even though they, they may not be, you know, like they're, you know, fake meats and things like that. Um, but, but what do you think about where we are? Because a lot of people will say, ah, oh, it's, it's going to pass. It's just a fad. I've been around for these 20 plus years. I've been waiting for you all. <laughs> I've just been waiting for you to come to the party that I've been preparing, the buffet, yeah. the banquet. I think like anything, you know, they're saying right now what we're going through is a fad and a trend. It is a movement that we're out of the box. It's not going away. I see the highs and lows, the dips and such in plant-based and vegan. You know, somebody comes with something else that's like commodity and marketing. It's not new. It's not new. We're one of the longest standing people that have eaten plants. Mm -hmm. And now you put labels on them. Plant-based is different from vegan to the degree that vegans abstain from anything with a face even, you know, byproducts of honey or bee. And, and I don't mind if that's what something you choose to do, but I don't think it's going anywhere. There are junk food vegans, like yeah. there are junk food, the junk food mainstream. There are meats, the, all of these processed things that are coming out, they are not targeting the vegans. They are targeting the people that are used to eating meat. I always say this because re we really need to understand what's happening. They're yeah. trying to figure the taste, the texture, the flavor 
I don't need that. I'm going to go make a black bean, black rice, jackfruit burger. You're going to be able to see what's in it. I'm going to slap everything else you love on it from the tomato, the beefsteak, the lettuce. I'm going to put my sauce on it that I make, our secret sauce, and our Violife cheese or whatever cheese, because there's great cheese out there. I'll make my own dehydrate them so I can slice it like a hard cheese, but yeah. you don't have to do all that today. So I am excited, but I'll have a party by myself. So I've never had a problem <laughs> with people not coming and showing up, but I love to feed people. I love to feed people food to live for. Yeah. And I think in the wake of what's going on right now, people are waking up. And they're looking for those opportunities. So I really thank you for the opportunity to come on your platform and have a voice because even in the culinary world, I tend to be the only one that's the vegan plant-based chef at these, you know, um, conferences and it's a plus and it's a blessing, but people look at me different. And I'm like, I was on a panel a couple of years ago and it was all females. Mm -hmm. And the moderator asked, well, what would each of you like to see in the next 10 years and most of the other female chefs said you know that women be seen as equal and we not have to say male chef female chef and when they got to me i was like listen i got the female thing down i've got the african-american woman thing down i want my peers to see me and respect me as a culinary and I've had a choice of a certain kind of cuisine I prepare yeah. and deliver just like you do and not look at me like oh you're over there playing around with plants you can't be serious because right. not everybody knows how to prepare vegetables mm -mm. and they think they do I've had chefs cooks that have come in the kitchen with me and I'm like, you're, you're killing my vegetables. What are you doing? Yeah. And they don't realize how serious and the, the different techniques mm -hmm. to make these different plants that have different fiber, different water content come to life. So I take it very seriously, but I have a lot of fun. Yeah, you definitely do. I mean, your enthusiasm for it is infectious. I, this was just a pure delight. I, it just really you. was. So thank you so much, Chef Nina. I really appreciate it. Well, that does it for this episode of the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And a special thank you to my guest for today, Chef Nina Curtis. Be sure to follow us on all Vegan Sexy Cool social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, so be sure and give us a follow and leave a comment there about the podcast. Leave a comment in the podcast in the podcast notes and comments here. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and stay sane.